loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He, he scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied. Here is Durant moving on Tucker. He turns. He shoots. Yes! Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association. This is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. Hello, and welcome back to another edition of Pick and Pod. We are dangerously close to the start of the 21 22 NBA season, and I'm here to break it down with my favorite co hosts, Kelly Bright and Thomas Aiello. I'm Jack Roach. And how are you guys doing? I, I know that there's some other sports news going on, you know, kind of inspiring the, uh, the outfit today. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure Kelly would, would love to talk about that. Oh, Jack, I am so excited to do this episode. It's, uh, we're here to talk basketball, but let's, let's dedicate at least a minute and a half to baseball real fast because Jack and I are diehard Red Sox fans. And, of course, Thomas Aiello, our resident Yankee fan. What a game yesterday, right, Thomas? No, I want to talk about it. <laughs> don't do this. Don't do this to me, please. I, I don't want I don't want this to be done to me. I don't even want to get started with how upset I am, how despondent I was after the game. And the fact that people actually thought this Yankees team was good. I, it's 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 very frustrating. I can't put it into words. Can we can we just talk hoops, please? I, I yeah, that's perfect. That please, that's it's perfect. too hard. It's way too hard for me. All right, well, we'll start with a team more, you know, in your wheelhouse because the Knicks just played their first preseason game, got a victory. Um, you know, guys are really excited about Obi Toppin going into his second year. Um, you know, Thomas, I'm curious, how do you feel about him and just some of these newer additions to this kind of new look Knicks team? So I think one of the concerns, if I can just steer from Obi Toppin real quick, um, Kemba Walker, uh, I know that he forfeited over $36 million to come play for the Knicks. And to me, as someone who has witnessed, I'd say at least 10 years of their incompetence over their 20 year run of just being yogurt brains, the fact that someone willingly forfeited all of that money to come to New York and take an $8 million contract is actually impressive because that shows really what the Knicks have built over the last year, which has been a stable organization with clear structure. There's a system that has worked and they're ready to take the next step. And I think with Kemba, a lot of people are saying, oh, he's not the point guard he once was. He's going to chuck shots, choose way to slip. It doesn't matter because he's going to probably be the fourth option on this Knicks team. All he's going to be asked to do is dribble. And that was the one thing that plagued them last year in the playoffs was a lack of uh, perimeter creation off the dribble. They couldn't do that with stationary players. So now that they have Kemba, and then they stole Evan Fournier from the Celtics as well. So essentially, if I can get some revenge here for the baseball talk, the Knicks took your starting backcourt <laughs> for a total of, I want to say, around $83, $4 million. And I thought, you know, okay, sure, fine. Evan Fournier is a decent player. I think 17 points, sure, that helps them. The spacing is definitely a lot better. But to get back to your point about Obi Toppin, um, this team is really deep and there's obviously going to be a lot of competition for shots in that second unit. And I think Toppin with the improvement they showed last night. Now, again, I need to preface this before I make my claim. And Kelly was saying this at the beginning of the show before we recorded is that it's preseason. You can't really think too much of it. You're playing uh, semi-pro players towards like the last seven minutes of the game. Uh, people like me, 
could be out there shooting threes and I would probably get like $5 for doing it, which is great. I would probably sign up for that. But with Toppin, he's going to be competing with Derek Rose on the bench, Emmanuel Quickly, Taj Gibson. I'm sure Nerlens Noel will probably be in that bench unit as well as Alec Burks, who likes to shoot a lot. So Toppin's going to have his work cut out if he wants to make a real impact with the scoring. But I think, Jack, you're right. There's a lot to be said about his improvement and where he could take the next step this year. Because remember last year, he was in a limited role. And I think this year, with a much better and a more well-constructed team, Toppin's going to have plenty of opportunities to be well more productive than he was last year. Yeah, I mean, I, I had the opportunity. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, Fordham played him a couple times. And I got to uh, fly out to Dayton to see him play. And it was like a pro atmosphere there. I mean, he is at least in the college level, was was a monster. Um, and that Knicks team really, you know, exceeded their expectations. And, you know, I, I'm just curious to see how, how much he's able to take a step um, as he progresses into that kind of pivotal year too. And I think we can say that with Toppin, I also actually saw him play in college too, Jack. I actually saw him when he was a first-year player at Dayton. So this is before I got to Fordham. And he was just rumbling in the paint. I mean – Everyone was getting pushed out of the way. It was just like a joke for him. But um, to say that with Toppin now where he is, and he's got ball handling skills that need to be addressed, and I think he's addressed it. It's going to be interesting to see how they're going to use him. And Kelly, I'm going to actually toss this to you because I kind of envision Toppin as a uh, Grant Williams sort of player. I mean, if, if that's an applicable comparison, I think we can say that's a safe pick for who he might be this year see that i mean you saw how he played he showed up in big game moments last year especially in the playoffs and he was a rookie so i i, I could i think that's a good comparison but you guys keep talking about Obi top and I, I want to talk about quickly because for me he was the most impressive impressive rookie on this team last year and he's someone who i expect to show out this year and really have that kind of rj barrett level jump that he had in his second year 47 percent on catch and shoot threes last year all rookie second team and honestly, the energy of the guard most nights. And I'm really excited to see him develop this year. I, I think this is a young, promising team. And another guy who we didn't get to watch much last year, and that's Mitchell Robinson. I think, you know, he went out early. We ha haven't talked about him in a really long time. He's going to be back on this Knicks squad. And he and Nerland Joel did well. Taj Gibbs is another strong one. But Mitchell Robinson was that number one guy for a long time. So I'm really excited to see what he's able to do as that athletic rim runner, rim runner and shot blocker when he comes back. Yeah. I'm so glad that you brought up Emmanuel quickly because last Love night, uh, 21 minutes, he put up 10 points, which, you know, doesn't kind of, um, you know, jump off the stat sheet, but seven assists in, in that span. And, you know, you're going to see Kemba Walker, you know, and Derek Rose get a lot of minutes, but, you know, we, we've seen what Emmanuel quickly can do scoring. I'm so interested to see how he steps up as a facilitator because mm -hmm. the Knicks are always going to need that. Every team always needs that off the bench in a starting capacity. And, you know, if he's able to add that to his arsenal, I think that he's going to have a really promising future in this Knicks organization. He's got to be better than Alfred Payton. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, can we do Thomas Free? He's finally gone. That's got to feel good. Oh, it feels great. It, uh, the antithesis point guard. That was my name for him. That's what, no, seriously, the antithesis player. He, he did everything just the opposite of good. It's bad. And I'm 
thank God he just decimated into ashes into Phoenix. Maybe he'll make his way to China while he's at it. He'll play in the Chinese league. He'll be an awesome. He would be, he would be a God there. I'm not even kidding when I say that he would be a literal legend in China. Sharks. Oh, he would be like (laughs) Stefan Marbury over there. He'd get a statue. You kidding me? You know, another guy that, you know, is heading into year three that um, definitely overperformed what, what some people thought he had was RJ Barrett. Um, you know, in his preseason game, 17 points, three assists or two assists and three rebounds. Um, you know, they don't give those most improved awards for year two players, but, you know, do either of you guys think that he's kind of on the, the radar to win that award in year three is, you know, arguably the, the focal point of that offense this year, other than Randall, you know? I mean, he improved so much last year already that I, I don't know if he's going to win that award, but he is someone who this team is going to want to see continue to improve and continue to be that guy for them. Because other than Randall, to me, he's really the only other guy in this roster who has that potential to be at an all-star level, whether that's second team, third team. But I think if he continues to shoot the way he knows how, he's capable of scoring 20-plus a night. To me, it's a question of whether or not he's going to be consistent enough with that. If he's if he's going to build on what he was able to do last year, we've seen him have those breakout games. This year, I want to see him do that more consistently. I think the thing we can say with Barrett is that the efficiency uh, from his first year to his second year, the improvement was absolutely off the charts. I mean, his rookie year, mm-hmm. he shot 40%. Last year, he was shooting 44. And they finished Mark at 40% from three to rookie year 32 so that is definitely good signs of improvement. I think now this time around with the much more open floor, now that there's no Alfred Payton, the antithesis person, they have Kemba Walker, who's a three-point threat, Fournier is a three-point threat, and they can both go off the dribble. There's a little handle of those two. I think it's going to open up a ton of the floor for R.J. Barrett to really just kind of attack gaps and make cuts and stuff like that. I think he can expand his game that way. Obviously, he's incredibly strong for a six, uh, what is he, eight now? I think he grew another inch. He's six, eight now, I believe, is the official measurement. So that's going to help him a lot. And then once he starts bruising people inside, he can start raining threes from the outside. So you have a legitimate chance of an all-around complete all-star here. And Kelly, I want to add to the all-star claim, Evan Fournier, if he can work on his shot IQ, I know that that's something that you Boston fans really did not like about him last year. And his very first game, he went 0 for 10 with the Celtics. Let's just keep this in mind here. Yeah, we'll never forget that one. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, we're not letting that go. Not let that go. If he can play the cards right with his shot selection and he's shooting lights out efficiency, I think he might be the third all star to this equation. And who oh, knows where that can come on? Come no, on. No, I'm, I'm serious. Carried away here. It was like a, as like a last minute ad, like to oh. make the all star team. Maybe, maybe if everyone gets COVID. <laughs> oh, my. Jeez, you guys are just pests. Good players. Can I have a little fun? You guys have been bullying me about the Yankees. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Come he's on. Good player. I really like seeing him on the Celtics, but if he's an all-star, man, he must have, you know, played like he did in the Olympics every <laughs> single game. Every he was good game. in the Olympics, too. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That was, that was all-star level. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. That was an all-star caliber player who went out and balled out for France. If you get that on the Knicks, maybe he could be an all-star, but I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I, I will. Jack, do you actually, you want to make a bet right now? 
Oh man, I'm making I'm all bet. these bets. All right, if Evan go. Fournier makes the All Star game, I will buy you the Starbucks drink of your choice. So what you're saying is, I don't have to give up anything. It's just well, if if he does, if <laughs> and if he if he doesn't make the All Star. Jesus, I just botched this so so badly. <laughs> no, I no, really he's did. an all-star. I owe you a drink. Yes, yes. There you go. There you go. That's what I was trying to say. Yep. Um, that was it. Take it. Take yeah, it. Take it. No, let's do it. Let's do All it. All right, let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> All right, real quick, before we move over to the Nets, um, in that shortened season, Knicks have 41 wins, um, fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. Personally shocked me. I, I want to hear what you guys think, maybe for like an over-under um, of like wins this year, or if not, like where you see them finishing in the Eastern Conference, which I, I think that it, it's kind of closer to what we call a regular season, um, whatever that is anymore. Um, but I, w- I want to toss that to you guys. Listen, I think last year blew all of our expectations out of the water. I don't think any of us, even the most diehard of Knicks fans, expected them to finish as well as they did, to play as well as they did. I mean, this was a team that doubled their win total. Four, they went from 12th in the East to 4th, 4th overall ranked defense. Julius Randle went from being one of the most hated guys on Nick's Twitter to literally the most improved player of the year. So just every expectation that they could have surpassed, they did. And I think the problem with that, it's really hard to follow up a year like that with a better year. So in my opinion, I wouldn't be surprised and – Thomas, this isn't me continuing our attack on New York uh, sports teams. This is just me being realistic here. I would not be surprised if we see a little bit of regression from this team. I think instead of a fourth seed, I'm seeing more of a seventh, sixth seed for this team, especially because a lot of the other teams in the East improved uh, this offseason. So did the Knicks. I think their roster got better as well. But that being said, if, if you look around, I, the Heat certainly got better. Uh, I don't know if if the Celtics did, but there's also you had injuries last season that the Knicks didn't really have. So I I think this team improved offensively, but I I think they might have regressed defensively a little. We we just talked about Evan Fournier. I think him and Kemba are definitely going to help on the offensive side, but defensive side wise, especially without Reggie Bullock, I I think this defense is going to go down a little bit. So if I had to say right now, I would see I would say six or seven seed in the East for this Knicks team. Jack, you go before um, I do because I have uh, I have some other information to add to that. I think they'll win. I think 44, 44 and a half is like the over-under. Um, and I don't think that it's a bad thing for the Knicks if, if that's where they finish because, um, you know, I could talk about the Celtics all day, but I think they're heading in the right direction. They've got a new coach. They made some interesting moves to say the least, but I'm really high on that team. I think that I think the Pacers are a good team. I think that the Heat got better, um, and, and just it's a regular season. I, I I think it's tough to call last year a regular season, um, and we could go on about that forever. But I think that it, it's a good thing for the Knicks if they finish, you know, forty five wins. They make it into the playoffs. Um, that's I think that's a W for the Knicks. The expectation that a lot of people have on Knicks Twitter and. I don't like to use Twitter as a reference because I think it's an egregious website sometimes, even though I love to tweet. Uh, A lot of people are saying 50 wins in the second round. It's a little bit of a stretch, I believe. I think second round, okay, but 50 wins, that's a lot to ask of a team that won 41 games last year. Think about that. Nine win improvement, that's a lot to ask for. Last year, they only played 72 games. Right, so 
that's where I get into at this point, I think with the Knicks, I think anywhere in the range of 44 to 47 and the fifth seed is fine. I'm totally fine with that. What we need to see from them is internal improvement on the offensive side because we know that they're going to be playing good team defense. And sure, you can say what you want. Reggie Bullock's not here. He's with the Dallas Mavnicks now. That's what I call them because they just signed all the Knicks players. Um, Kemba's not a great defender. Fournier, I mean, blah on defense. Randall's better. All-star Fournier. Yeah, all-star Fournier. Yes, yes. Very good. But he's And Randall's better, but he's no world beater. And R.J. Barrett, again, better, but he's not Tony Allen in his prime. I mean, Mitchell Robinson has to be healthy for this defensive thing to work. And Noel, too, because the both of them are so pivotal to the success of that defense. So I think anywhere between 44 and 47 and the fifth seed is fine. And I'm going to make a deep cut take here because first one of the year. So this is very big. First of many. First of many, yes. Philadelphia 76ers are going to fall the hell off. I think they're going to fall be the team other than Boston. I don't think Boston's that good either outside of your two all-stars. I think with Philadelphia, with how Ben Simmons is being a spoiled brat, and Joel Embiid is complaining pretty much about that. I think that's going to hover over a very grim and gray cloud over that team, which, and, and Doc Rivers is also not a good coach. I mean, he doesn't win that ring in Boston. He doesn't have a job outside of the Celtics. I don't think he's that good of a coach. You know, he hasn't made anywhere past the second round between his time with the Clippers and now here with Philadelphia, he hasn't gotten past the second round. And all of his teams just look so average at times and more often than they should. So I think Philadelphia is going to team to be the team that falls. I think that'll open up a chance for the Knicks to grab a fifth seed with, again, that 47-44 win range in an actual NBA season. That's, I mean, I I, I like the, the 76ers take, but... We're not going to tolerate Doc Slander on this podcast. Do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> but he's, you guys bullied me about the friggin' Yankees. I can't, I can't bully back. <laughs> Are we going to, am I going to, am I going to be slandered for bullying uh, t- Mac Jones next? I'm just wondering. I really am. Yeah, we'll do NFL Friday. There we go. We'll just, let's, do I mean... let's do it. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's go to Brooklyn because there's, you know, quite the, the story there. And, it's Kyrie Irving. Surprise. We're still talking about Kyrie. Um, you know, you look at, at Golden State, right, which has the similar mandates, you know, out in California that they have in New York. Um, and you're required to be vaccinated. And you saw a guy like Andrew Wiggins, who um, was very vocal about his opposition to getting vaccinated. Um, but eventually he did. Um, he was a guy that was upset about it, but he, he folded and is now with the team full time. And I think that there was some of that expectation for Kyrie Irving. And I think that still remains, but you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna read the, the Woj bomb that we got yesterday. And he goes, the Brooklyn Nets remain unclear on Kyrie's ultimate intentions to get vaccinated and have made no decision on whether the team will accommodate him as a part-time player this season. Um, And then he goes on to say there was optimism that he would get it, and now they're not so sure. Um, I want to start with you, Kelly. What do you make of this? I'm going to use an Aiello nickname. Oh, geez. 
Kyrie unpredictable Irving right here. There you go. Let's go. Kyrie unpredictable Irving. It seems Let's like go. every week there's something new. And listen, I, in this situation, I respect that we have the freedom to make our own choices, our own decisions. And I don't want to get political on this podcast, but that being said, do I agree with this decision to not get vaccinated? Absolutely not. Do I think it's a dumb decision? I absolutely do. I absolutely do think it's a dumb decision. However, that being said, let's let's bring it to basketball. And all I keep thinking about is if I was on his team and knowing that he could just waltz in and out to the away games, not show up to practice, he can't show up to practice. He can't show up to home games. He can't show up to charity events. He can't show up to any mandatory Nets thing that's, that's in New York, but he can go play at away games. If I'm his teammate, I would be absolutely infuriated. So I, I can't, if he doesn't, if he decides to hold out and not get vaccinated, which we've seen stranger things from Kyrie Irving, uh, I don't see how there isn't chemistry issues in this locker room within a few weeks, because if you're the, if you're the team, how do you handle the situation? He is one of your best players. He's part of that big three, but where do you draw the line about preferential treatment when somebody literally can't even show up to practice? He can't show up to workouts because of his personal decision. I think they're really walking a fine line here from the Nets executive perspective. Because if you think about it, when you signed Kevin Durant and that meant Kyrie had to come because that was a package deal wherever they were going. And I think we can say that that was pretty obvious. You knew that this was going to pop up. It's some crazy issue where like he sits out because of, gee, I don't even know. I can't yeah, even think of reasons. Too. Yeah, it's, it's just it out of left field, okay? He's a cancer, Kyrie Irving. I, I, I hate to be the one to say it, but he really is a cancer. I mean, he's just been such a diva. And everyone says, oh, he's really a nice guy. And KD says he's an artist and all of this. He's trying to defend his teammate, which is fine, because in all honesty, you should defend your teammates, and he has every right to do so. But when you start doing this, and you're really putting – a championship window that the Brooklyn Nets of all teams built. Now that you have James Harden on the roster, it is championship or bust. You just kind of have to oblige to the rules and there's no other way to put it. I mean, if you want to tell me that Kyrie Irving, he's always like some philosophical thinker and he's a nuance kind of out of the ordinary, but he's a great ball player. Yeah. He's a great ball player. Don't get me wrong. I love to watch him play when you don't show up to games we have a problem, okay? We have a very big problem. So with the Nets, how they should handle this, this is going to sound absolutely crazy. I think I'm going to make a clown for this, but swap him and Ben Simmons. Ooh, I there love you go. I, I, there you go. I, I solved the Ben Simmons drama. Swap. <laughs> you you would take care of a lot of a lot of media stories right now. You would I just would. tie up both narratives. Oh, yeah. I'm tying up loose ends over here. I think that's the only way if the Nets are going to do anything that might be the only way to solve it. Because if you think about it, let's play the hypothetical game here. Kevin Durant is by far the best player and he's going to take the last shot. I don't care who else is on the team. He has the most unstoppable shot. He's going to take it. James Harden is your primary facilitator. You can say about playoffs and whatever that stuff is fine. I'll listen to it. Cause I agree. He is a playoff choker. Ben Simmons, that team so desperately needs defense. Ben Simmons would solve that end of the floor like that. And I think if they're going to do anything, just swap the two of them. Ben Simmons doesn't want to play in Philadelphia. Kyrie isn't eligible to just play, period. So you swap problems, and you know what? It might actually work. Well, how about this? How about this? If they swap them, 
then that does not adhere with your take that the Sixers are dropping. If anything, yes, it does. That makes them more of a thing. You think that Kyrie and Embiid makes them worse than the Knicks? Because he still won't be vaccinated. If it'll still he be can, he can play in. Philly, oh, he can right? play in Pennsylvania. I, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Can he? I don't know. These rules are very confusing. I mean, if they were just clear and dry, I would understand. But everything well, it's, is it's so like a municipality and like state thing. It's not. Yeah, like, that's true. Uh, it's not like we're pulling you know things yeah. out of hats. It's like that's local true. legislation. Um, that's true. But the hypothetical, I think it's it would make sense. But yeah, Jack, you are right with that part of it. I, I do think that would come into play at some point. But honestly, it helps the Nets on defense because they need it. And then Brooke, or Philadelphia gets the floor spacing that they need. Yeah. I mean, this is something that we're just going to have to monitor every single day. I mean, I, I'm on Twitter just kind of refreshing. And unfortunately, we just are going off of the information we have right now. And Really, it's just speculation at this point between the three of us. But something that we can talk about, and I think that we're going to see this with one of his teammates and James Harden, is the league has changed some rules. Um, I think so many people criticize Harden for, you know, leaning into fouls or, you know, flailing out his feet. Um, And I think it's something that we should mention because some of the biggest stars in the game, you know, Harden, Luca, just to name a few, um, definitely are going to have to to change their play style to accommodate to this. Um, Thomas, I want to start with you. Do you think that this is going to radically change the the product that we're watching on TV this year? I don't want to say radically change the product because there's still going to be terrible calls either way. That's just the nature of sports. I mean, if you want to use the Des Bryant catch in the Green Bay Dallas matchup all those years ago, mm-hmm. sure. There's Angel Hernandez in the MLB. I mean, fine. In the NBA, you've got there's proof of star treatment. That's that's not crazy and it's not asinine to say. There is star treatment at times. And it's can be obvious. It can't not be obvious. It depends on who's officiating, but will it shake the league? I think it won't shake. It'll tip it towards a more balanced game. It won't totally push it that way. Now, if you guys watch the Blazers-Warriors preseason game, which I did, by the way, because my life is that exciting. Tell me about it. Steph Curry, I think, leaned into about three or four different shots and didn't get the call, and he was, mm-hmm. yeah, what happened, man? It's, that's not going to happen this year. See, you got to actually draw the foul on your own. So I think for people like him, Trey Young, James Harden, Luca, um, I guess, I don't know. Who else can we throw in that category? Tim Lillard. Yep, Dame Lillard. There you go. I mean, you and, can say LeBron sometimes. Yeah, we can put LaFlop. Yes, that's a good one. And I think for them, it's going to be a bit of an adjusting period. I think at some point there will be another loophole that will be found to draw those fouls. But I think eliminating the intentional offensive flop, it could be a good thing because they would make the product definitely a little bit more disciplined, I guess, is the word I'm going to use here. Uh, I think, well, actually, Tom Thibodeau said something in an interview about this rule change that I really, I really liked. And he said, I think we all want the flow of the game to go well. And I think that word flow is really what, what stood out to me because I think I, I really like this rule change because I, I'm tired of seeing so many fouls and people trying to just get fouls. And I understand why players do it. I mean, if you're a student of the game, when they, when, the increase in fouls happened and every rule change that we've seen in basketball up to this point has been something that helps those offensive players, the increase in fouls, the three point line off is an obvious one. And now we see something 
that's going to help the defense. And I think that's going to balance out the game. It's going to take away some of the unnecessary foul calls. And I, I think we're going to see more than two consecutive possessions without a stoppage in play, which I don't know about you guys, but I don't remember the last game I watched where we could say we saw something like that. So I, I really like this move. I think it's going to benefit uh, traditional defense. So I think this could help out the Knicks, to be honest, is one team that comes to mind. Uh, as far as those players that you mentioned, uh, Thomas and Jack, earlier about the players who are going to be affected by this, I'm really interested to see what they're going to do to get around this. Like, if this is going to be enough to keep them from making those quote-unquote non-basketball moves or they're just going to find a new way to draw fouls or how they're going to adjust to this because uh, I, it's become a really big part of the game. I mean, some of those the biggest players in this league do make those non-basketball moves at least once every three possessions, it seems like. So I, I think this is going to be a really good thing for the league. So I'm excited to see as the season progresses how players on both sides of the ball develop to it. Yeah, I, I really like you mentioning the flow of the game because for me, especially in the playoffs, you know, once it gets to that fourth quarter, it really slows down. Um, and, yep. and I hope that it does um, make it a more entertaining product. And, you know, not to look too far ahead to this year's playoffs, but before we finish up, I want to hear your guys, you know, real quick predictions on who we're going to see coming out of the East and the West in this year's NBA championship. Uh, Tom, I want to start with you first. Oh, boy. Now, oof. This one's a little bit of a dense question, only because the yeah. East got a lot better. And I think that's a good thing to say because the East has been known as the least for the last, wow, uh, 20 years, probably. I mean, until last year, it was just abysmal because it was the same three teams coming out of the East. And then there were seven or eight teams in the West that could really compete for a championship. So, there's a little bit of balance now between both conferences from the East. I like Milwaukee again. I think they're the most complete team. Um, I think Giannis is the most motivated to go for a second championship. He definitely, definitely wants to prove the haters wrong. Cause he hears the jump shot talk and here's all this. Chris Middleton is a choker, which I have been guilty of doing. I have bullied Chris Middleton on Twitter before. And I think the Bucks, they're just such a good team that you can't ignore them. And they're the reigning champs. Obviously, Brooklyn is the number two behind them. We have to wait and see with Kyrie Irving. But I'm going to go with Milwaukee from the east. And then from the west, it's I, it's I don't know who the hell to pick, honestly, because I want to pick Phoenix because they just brought the whole team back. I want to pick the Lakers, but are they going to be healthy? And then the Clippers, you can't really pick because there's no Kawhi, but if there's a way that they can get better with a trade midseason, sure, I, I'll listen to it. But I think from the West, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the uh, Lakers this time around, and then Lakers, Bucks in the finals with Giannis stomping LaFake Goat in six games for another championship ring. Kelly, do you have a take? Oh, I hate agreeing with people. I I hate agreeing <laughs> with people. But Thomas, I unfortunately. I'm going to agree with you on both those takes. I, when I was when I was thinking about who my way too early finals predictions uh, for the East, I, the Bucks. I mean, how do you root against a team that didn't really change? All their superstars are the same. And I think if you look at what Giannis did last year in the finals, I mean, he, him and Katie to me are the best players in basketball right now. And it's, it's really not even close. I mean, the last time Giannis was on the floor, 
He finished with 50 points, 16 for 25 shooting, 14 rebounds, five blocks, and 17 for 19 from the line. And remember that free throw shooting is his weakness. So I, I think he still has a lot to prove. Still has a lot to prove. He's only 26. I think he turns 27 in December. So uh, I'm excited to see what this uh, Bucks team that didn't change much looks like going forward. That being said, I hate a repeat champion, even unless it's a red, unless it's a Boston team. I hate seeing a reigning champ come back. So uh, Nets, if Kyrie figures his, I almost cursed right there. If he figures his stuff out, maybe the Nets, because I, I do think they have the most complete and talented roster in basketball, but he is such a big question mark that it's really hard for me to pick them in anything as big as a finals championship. Uh, from the West, I do like the Lakers. You look at that team, it's a team of veterans who need to win and are going to want to win now. LeBron, AD, Westbrook, Carmelo, Rondo, Dwight Howard, a lot of old guys, a lot of old guys. And they kind of stick out for that reason. Because to me, a lot of the other best teams in the league right now are very young. So I think this is the time for LeBron to, to you know, come back and get what probably should have been his last year if it weren't for all those injuries. They're also a new look Lakers. You want to look talk about a team that looks different this year. They're only bringing back three guys, I think, that, that really made an impact from last year. James, A.D., Talon Horton Tucker, everyone else is pretty much new. So uh, this is an exciting team for me. I think it's going to be now or never for them. The Suns, again, Thomas, you already mentioned the Suns is the only other team that I'm still looking at. But to me, the Suns, just like the Knicks, could regress this year considering how well they played last year. But that all being said, I'm going to go with the Bucks. But I wouldn't be surprised if, like last year, a team that none of us are going to mention today makes it because that's just basketball and it's way too early to predict those kinds of things. Yeah. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I think that as fans, we deserve to see a Lakers Nets finals. Oh um, my God. And real quick, I do want to say, I think for the Lakers, a guy to watch out for is Malik Monk. I think that Ooh, he has yeah. the potential to be like one of their best players. I think he has the potential to be their biggest addition, not named Russell Westbrook. So like that's that. it. That's my prediction. Don't forget, they also added a free Kendrick Nunn, too. They scooped him out of just the trash, basically. He's good. Miami. He's a good player. Yeah, he's good. He they have a good team. Shooter's going to shoot. They are, yes. He's Both of them are trigger happy, but I, I do like the Monk pick. Oh, well, I think that's going to do it for our edition of Pick and Pod. Here with my co-hosts, Kelly Bright and Thomas Aiello. I'm Jack Roach signing off. Pick and Pod is a production of WFUV Sports.